Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. I'm excited about this, this morning's message. I think, I think I enjoyed cooking it more than you could ever enjoy eating it, but I'm excited about what we have for us in store this morning. Well, let's pray, and then we'll get started. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, God, I pray that you just speak through me, that you would use me, that you would fill my mouth with your words, God, and that all the distractions that are in me, that they would be kind of pushed away, and all the distractions that may be in this room, that they would also be pushed away. And God, I know that, that you have done a work in me through this message, and even just kind of through this week of just like me stepping back and looking at my, my ministry over the past, you know, eight months, and, and what I could have done different, or what I, uh, and, and as you've been working in me, God, I pray that you would you would um that you would work in all of us as a congregation this morning god so we love you and we thank you in your name i pray amen and amen so um this morning i want to talk to those of you who might have lost a little bit of your in spiritual enthusiasm maybe at one point in your life you felt very connected to god maybe in fact like every time you would read the bible and every time you would open up god's word he would speak to you or every time you would pray you would feel like he would answer it or every time you would fast you would feel like like he would um, that your life would transform in such a way that you were growing in Christ, but somehow, some ways, maybe even without you knowing, over time, that enthusiasm, that passion, that, that intimacy has gone, maybe even without knowing, by the wayside. And that's you, I want to speak to you this morning and tell you that I can relate to you. Just a little bit about my story. I was uh, saved at a really young age, and I remember when I got to high school, everybody was going down a... Uh, they were being high schoolers, I guess is the best way to put that. And so I wanted to be the best example that I could be. And it set me on fire. I was like, you know... Like, for example, if somebody would say a bad word, I was the one that'd be like, hey, man, why do you want to say that? Like, let's rejoice in the Lord always, right? And I was a tennis player, so I wrote a little cross on my tennis racket, and I would wear a Christian T-shirt and a little Jesus shorts, and like, I actually had Jesus shorts. They were really were. that had, had, had three crosses right there on them. I was that type of kid, and even when I got to college, I continued in this. I remember I took a, a communications class, y'all, for the very, the only purpose was so that I could share the gospel with all those who were in the class. And I remember such enthusiasm because I just wanted people to know about the one who had changed my life. And then I got into ministry. 
And even before, doing the Lord's Supper was one of my, like, my favorite things. I remember when, even when I got saved, I, I said, Mama, 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 guess what? She said, what? I said, I get to eat, the, you know, I get to eat with y'all now in church. I didn't know what it was called. I get to eat with y'all now in church. And she's like, that's called the Lord's Supper. And yeah, you actually get to do this for your first time. And it was, it was just one of those things that I always look forward to. And someone asked me, what, what are y'all doing for church last week? And I said, oh, not much. We're just taking the Lord's Supper and then I thought boom your passion whereas it went because once you once prayed for you are now unenthused with you see that and so if you're in here this morning and you felt that maybe your passion your enthusiasm your excitement in the Lord has waned over the past it's not where it once was well this sermon is for you and I'm excited to give it today and I hope that God I pray that you would just like speak to us all speak through me speak to us God in this moment God we know that you can in your name I pray amen and amen so have you ever noticed that there are two types of people in the world first there are the type of people in the world that um let me put it like this they're they're circumstances in life dictate their enthusiasm. But there's also a second type of person, and this is the type of person whose enthusiasm they use to dictate what's around them, to influence what's around them. There are two types of people in the world. There are the types of people who their climate, their what's around them, it dictates their mood or their passion or their purpose or their posture or their excitement or enthusiasm or or there's the type of person who what's inside of them, what's in their spirit dictates what goes on outside of them. There are two types of people in this world now I love can you tell I got some enthusiasm this morning I love the word enthusiasm it comes to us actually in two parts in the prefix actually means in the second root of the word comes from a Greek word called theos theos if you've ever heard of theology it means God. God. The word enthusiasm actually means in God or filled in God. See, true enthusiasm doesn't come from um, some kind of climate that's around you. True enthusiasm is not a it's not a a building that we erect in our circumstances. Rather, it is a purpose that is given to us. It is a byproduct of being in God. You see that? You see that? I love how 2 Corinthians says it. Here's how 2 Corinthians chapter 15 says it. And it's so accurately when it says this. It says this. For sin, <laughs> Mr. John said that, uh, <laughs> I won't even I, I'm reading on my phone, so I hope that that's okay. And don't throw things at me, okay? For sin is the sting that results in death. This is 2 Corinthians 15 um, verse 
58. <laughs> okay. For sin is this thing that results in death, and the law gives sin power. Verse 57 says this, But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, 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 my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down if you're taking notes, okay? This is, this is what that passage teaches. It's not what you do that dictates your enthusiasm, but it is who you do it for. The other day, it was about two months ago, Catherine told me that she loves it when I go work in the yard. And so I thought, okay, you know, that week I went and bought 50 it was actually like 100 bags, actually. It was 99 bags of bread mulch. And I bought 20-something bags of rocks. I brought some steps. I bought head trimmers. Anything I could think to do some yard work. And I was out there doing it. I mean, and do you think that I was mad when my beautiful little wife was sitting on the side porch drinking her in ice-cold water, watching me sweat and labor? No! No, I was doing it with flair and style and enthusiasm. I would take out my Benchmade, unzip the thing, pour, rake, slide in the grass for the next one, and then I'd get to digging. And I did it that whole time. Why? Because it's not what I was doing that dictated my enthusiasm. It was who I was doing it for. Being in God. In God. I'll give you another example, okay? 60 years, 60 years before David became king, the Ark of the Covenant got taken by Israel's enemy, the Philistines. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant and put it before their little G-God, Dagon. And they set the Ark of the Covenant right next to Dagon. And guess what happened to Mr. Dagon that night? They came back the next morning, and their god, Dagon, had fallen face first on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant. So much so that he was in pieces. And so the Philistines, they rushed, and they rebuilt this idol. And the next night, all freshly made, all freshly glued back together, they wake up the next morning, and guess what happened to their god, Dagon? It is in pieces, once again, right before the face of the Ark of the Covenant. And so the people get afraid, and they say, we need to get the Ark of God out of the temple of Dagon. So they move the Ark out into the people. But that didn't solve the problem because then all the people started getting tumors and dying. So they thought, well, we got to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant mess. What's going on with this? And so they kicked the Ark of the Covenant out of the territory and put it in Israel. And it stayed in South Israel for 60 years. 
60 years in one place all up until the time that David became king. And when David became king, he goes all the way to Kerath Jerim and he gets the Ark of that Covenant and he takes it up to Jerusalem. And here's how he takes it. He takes six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. He stops and builds an altar and worships God and takes another six steps and does the exact same thing all the way from South Jerusalem, South Israel, all the way up to Jerusalem. Every six steps taking. Say what you want about David. Say, you, know, you can say, but you cannot say that David wasn't a man of great zeal towards God. Six steps. He would take six paces, and as he got to stepping, he would say, I think we need to have church again. Let's build it all over again. Let's make another altar. And then he would take six more paces, and he would say, I think we need to have church again, y'all. Let's build us an altar. Now, I know y'all think we have church too much, and, you know, the preacher talks too long, and the music is too long, and, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I know what, what we're thinking, but David would say, we're not excited enough. We're not enthused enough. We're not joyful enough. We're not loving enough. Enough. We need to do more church, more missions, more VBS, more outreach, more. Man, he's fired up today. I'm telling you, I don't... <laughs> Pray for me, you know. Pray for me. It's funny enough, um, the Bible says, I, 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 I want to quote this right, I got it in my notes. It says this. It said, in 2 Samuel, this is in chapter 6, but it says, it says, and you don't have to turn there. It says, David praised the Lord with all of his might. And you can say, well, Drake, well, that works for David. That works for David, but I'm, I, I'm not like that. I'm not a, an enthusiastic person. I'm not a passionate person. So yeah, that works for David, but it works for me. I don't want to drop kick you in your left nostril right now, and I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know what a drop kick is. Because we can get excited about anything. We can get excited about our golf round or the truck that we buy. Or the deer that's on our wall? Can't we? Or hotty toddy and hell state. And we can get so excited about everything else. But when it comes to God, we look at our watches. And we're unenthused. You pay good money to watch an encore. And you sit on the edge of your seats watching the 13th inning of whatever game you're watching. But when it comes to God, our enthusiasm is waned. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are responding. <laughs> and it's quiet and that's okay. But David praised the Lord with all of his might because it was in 
God in theos, in enthusiasm. Do you see it? Do you see it? But, but you can lose that enthusiasm, can't you? You can have it one day and it be gone the next. As a kid, David has it. And as a king, David had it. But somewhere along the way, he lost it. Look at 2 Kings chapter 13. You know how to turn in your Bibles. Um, tell you the story. If you want to turn there, you can. It's what happens when you lose your enthusiasm. Because let me tell you this. You pay a high price for a low enthusiasm. The king comes up. And he sees Elisha in the bed. And Elisha's old. He's on his deathbed. And he's, he's, he literally is in bed. And he pulls those covers down and looks at the king. And he says, King Jehoash, why have you come? And the king says, well, I've come because all these territory, all these enemies around me, they want to smite me. So can you give me a word of God? Can you help me? And King Elisha's The prophet Elisha says, yes, I can. And so he gives the king, the young king, by the way, a bow and an arrow. And he takes that bow and he takes those arrows and he says, I want you to shoot this out the window. And so he does. And I don't know if he was Katniss Everdeen with a bow or maybe more or less like Catherine Moultrie, but (laughs) Nelson now, right? And But he shot that one arrow out that window, and the prophet Elijah said, that's good, that's good, that's good. Don't shoot no more, don't shoot no more. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab those three arrows, and I want you to put them on the ground. I want you to throw them on the ground. And so he grabs one arrow, and he drops it, and he gets, he, he picks them up, and he grabs that arrow, and he drops it again. And he picks it back up, and he drops it again. And the Bible says that the prophet was outraged, furious. He put the cover back up over his head and he said, if you're not going to do it with any enthusiasm, you might as well not even do it. If you're just going to do it three times, you're just going to drop it there, you might as well not have even done it. Because when you hear a word from God, it's not like hearing a word from just a normal human being. This is God who you're speaking to. This is God who's telling me for you to do this. And so, yeah, you are going, you, you have the potential to absolutely destroy all of your enemies. But now, because you did it with such low enthusiasm, he said, I will give you three victories. I will give you, you will smite the Amorites three times, but no more. Matter of fact, little did he know that those very same arrows were the arrows of the feet that he was throwing on the ground because he only did it three times. And with low enthusiasm, he paid a high, high, high price. And you think in your mind, well, it's just another service. It's just another song. We're just gathering again. It's just another VBS. And where do we draw the line to say, no, today is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. When do we draw that line?
pay a very, very high price for low enthusiasm. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Deuteronomy even says it like this. Say, Drake, you are speaking too much. Give me some scripture. Get, get this. Get this. Deuteronomy 28, 47. This is what happens if, if, if people don't serve God with enthusiasm. Get this. Deuteronomy 28, 47. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits or blessings that you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. There's a high price that you pay when you come in and you got, I'm just coming again. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to go through the motion here. I'm not trying. I mean, I know. I, I, I know. And I'm not trying to. Um, but I am trying to warn you that serving God is something that should get you excited. And you should be enthused that I was once a sinner going to hell, but now, by the grace of God, He has freed me and called me clean, and I have an everlasting gift of His presence that I have to look forward to. And not death and not grave can ever separate me. That should get your blood a little uh, pumping. Thank you. Thank you. And so, let me just say this. Let me just, um, you can have great enthusiasm and then you can lose it. And like I said, I completely understand this. And, 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 and we saw it really in David and we can even see it there with the king and with Elisha. But get this. My observation, my observation as, as a pastor for however many months, even a youth pastor and really even just a Christian before then, my observation is that most people have likely fallen into one or two categories, one of two extremes. Either they are very excited in the things of God. Giving all that they have. Completely sold out. Or, on the other hand, the other extreme, the exact opposite. And now, like, like I said, just based off of human nature and what I know, I have learned that we do not drift towards enthusiasm. We do not drift towards good decisions. We don't drift towards health. We don't drift towards discipline. In fact, we drift towards complacency. We drift towards apathy. We drift towards self-centeredness. And what I've noticed is that people get to going pretty good and we'll be going pretty good to church and we'll go Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and we'll serve when we can and give when we can and pray 
pray when we need to and read our Bible mostly every week and we'll get to going for the things of God and then we will get complacent. And instead of being like David who ran into the battle as a kid, we will become David when he sat and walked around his house as a king and we will become complacent and then we will be left asking ourselves, where did our passion go? Where did our purpose go? Why don't I have any joy? What do I need to do differently? And we've let comfort come in and displace our enthusiasm. Now watch this. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 4, gives us a warning. It says this, But... I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. And what does it say after that? Do you know? It says, turn back and feel the way you felt at first. Just feel, just feel it. It doesn't say that. It does not say that. It says, turn back and do the things that you did at first. And that lets me know that enthusiasm is not an emotion of euphoria, but it is a decision that you make or don't make. You choose to be enthusiastic or not. I mean, somebody... Somebody, you choose to be enthused. You choose. I'm, you can't. There are two types of people in the world. There are those who let their circumstances dictate their walk with God, their enthusiasm, their intimacy, their passion. But there are those who let what's burning in their hearts dictate everything else. There are two types of people. In this world. In closing, let me say this. Let me say this. Maybe you're asking yourself, no, 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 no. Jesus wasn't always enthusiastic either, Mr. Preacher, sure. Because the Bible said that Jesus endured something, and if he endured something, he couldn't be enthusiastic. And I would say, yeah, you are right. But finish reading the verse. For the joy that was set before Him, Jesus endured the cross. But what was it because of? It was because of the joy that was before Him. And so you ask Drake, how can I have enthusiasm when my life is falling apart? How can I be in God when all these circumstances, these bad times come my way? Well, let me tell you this. Sometimes God wants the type of praise that can only come out of brokenness. So if you can go through a breaking and still maintain that praise that same that same 
passion and enthusiasm on the other side and still maintain, I would say, the fire on the inside, God will be glorified. And so you don't have to like every step that you take. But remember that it's not a decision. It's not, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. You don't have to like what's coming into your life or the circumstances around you. But it's about being in God. Remember who you're doing it for. Remember that you're not working for man. Remember that your circumstances don't circumvent God in your life. Remember all the things that you've learned as I've been here and understand this, that God does not say if you want to be enthusiastic or not. He says, hey, rejoice in the Lord. If you are not enthusiastic in what you do, I will deliver you to your enemies. Pay a high price. Pay a high price. Pay a high price. And so let me just give you this um, tidbit of information, and I'll close with this. I, I've already said I was going to close once, so, but I am a preacher, and I'm Baptist of that, so I guess you, you get two closings. I don't know. What should we do if we notice the enthusiasm in our life are drained? What should you do? What should you do? What should you do? I'm going to give you what David did. David talked to God daily. He talked to God daily. He trusted, he trusted God daily. And he sought God daily. Keyword being daily. And people often ask me, they say, you get up here and you preach, and you preach with such passion. How do you do it, Drake? How do you do it? And what I say is, I'm not this way all the time. I'm not this way all the time. I have my doubts. I have my setbacks. And I have times that I'm just like, golly, what am I going to do? But whenever I do get like that, I remember what God has saved me from. And where God is saving me too. And when I do that, it rekindles a fire inside of me. <laughs> and when I think about the blessing of my calling, and that I get to pour it into people, it rekindles a fire inside of me. And I would say, it possibly may be the same thing that's true for you. Let's pray. God, thanks for everything that you've given us. Thank you for sending your son, God. Thank you for letting us be able to, to look back some 2,000 years ago and rekindle that fire that we say, God, you have saved my life, God. I pray that we would not be some um, lollygagging, run-of-the-mill Christians, but we would be zealous and joyful and winsome in our personality and in the way we go about life. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you've given us and everything that we are in your sight. It's in your name that I pray. Amen and amen.